So take your Bibles tonight, and I'll try not to keep you too long. You've heard that from preachers before, but I will try to do my best to not do that. Joshua chapter number 14, please. Joshua chapter number 14 in your Bibles. Joshua chapter 14. We come to the story, the life of Caleb, the man of God. God is used in a great and a mighty way. We will turn to Numbers chapter 13 and we'll get a little bit of a backstory that brings us to where we are in Joshua. But we begin our reading, if you will please, in verse number 7 of Joshua chapter 14. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereupon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, eighty-five years of age. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this mountain. Wherefore the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how that the Anakims were there, the cities were great and fenced. So if the Lord be with me, will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. What a wonderful testimony of a man of God who is seeking and desiring to finish well the ministry that God has given him to finish. And see the promises, those promises that God had laid before him many, many years prior. He's not backed up. He got a hold of something from God. And he said, God, I'll not let go until you bless me. And God, I'm not going to let go until I see those promises that you have provided for me. And he, he comes to the end of this, this stage of his ministry. And he says, now therefore give me this mountain. As the Lord spake unto me, give me what God has promised me. He was excited about that. He was anticipating that. And so tonight I just want to share a couple thoughts, Lord willing, on this, on this topic. Striving to finish well. Striving to finish well. I certainly want to finish well. Do you not? I trust that's your heart to finish well. To finish well for the Lord. To not have to come to the end of my life and and work hard our entire lives for the cause of Christ. And you know, people will not always remember what you've done for the Lord, but they will remember the time that you failed in the work of the Lord. 
And so I want to finish well for the cause of Christ. And I know that's your heart this evening. And, I, and this testimony in the history of this church is that you are striving to do that very thing. To finish well for the glory of God. And it's vitally important to start well. Amen? It's vitally important to start well. To have a good, solid foundation in the Christian walk, in the Christian life. But it's also is of importance that we not only start well, but that we, again, as I mentioned, that we finish well, that we come all the way to the end of our lives, the end of our days, and we are as strong, living for God, faithfully for the Lord, as we were in the very beginning. As a matter of fact, stronger than we were in the beginning. Because we are to grow in grace, grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And as we grow in that grace, we are to exercise our faith. And as we exercise our faith, we literally become stronger in faith. So as the days go by, as the years go by, we ought to be stronger than we were when we began. It's important that we finish well. But yet all around us in pastoring, I certainly see it. And, and I say pastor, I dare say many of us here understand this idea and this truth that, that many around us may seem to have made an effort at a start for a period of time. And, and it seems as though they set out running well, but then suddenly they begin to fall off the pace a little bit. Church attendance, here and there, being missed in this function or that function, maybe not quite as consistent as they were. Maybe they begin to, to slow up along the way. They Possibly they get distracted. Maybe they get discouraged. Maybe it's an uphill climb, a little more difficult than they anticipated. And they get out of the race, it seems like, completely, all completely together. And I know back home many times, and I've seen people come into the church and to come be a part of the church and, and just really have a great need. And you seek to minister to that need and love on those people and encourage them. And they seem to be all about it. And all of a sudden, until the need seems to dissipate, and when that dissipates, they seem to as well. It's really heartbreaking. It's not... The fact that you've poured your life into someone and now they have uh, now stepped aside and you're not having that ministry with them again. But you, you're, you're heartbroken because they're missing out on what God has for them. You're missing out, they're missing out on what God has for them in the blessings and the encouragement and the power and the strength of the Lord. We all know people have started out and begun a race. But you look around them and they're seemingly nowhere to be found. There seems to be those dropouts, those casualties, if you will, all over the place. Why is it that that's so often the case? And you see this so many times. That seems people seem to start out with God and then unfortunately they don't finish. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 and 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So Paul exhorts us here and he says, So run that ye may obtain. Run that ye may obtain the prize, the high calling of Christ in your life. Run that you may be all that God put you on planet earth to do. And Let me just simply stop here and say, God's got a plan for every individual in this building. And God's got the best plan for your life than you can even imagine. 
as a young person, I want to encourage you as a young person tonight, don't listen to the lies of the world and the lies of the devil. The walk with God and the love with God and the, the will of God for your life is better than anything the world can ever offer you. Yes, don't settle for not even second best. It's not third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. Settle only for God's best. Paul says we run in a race we might obtain. Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that's set before us. We all know that the Christian life is not a 50-yard dash and done. 50-yard dash and over with. Rather, the, the Christian life is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong walk with God. A lifelong walk with God going with us. And, and we have the, the, the indwelling presence of God that's there with us. We have the power of God that's always there. It's a journey. It's maybe sometimes it may feel like running, maybe a marathon at times. But it's a day in and day out, year after year, pressing on the upward way. New heights we're gaining every day. Listen to 2 Timothy. What he says in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing here in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Let me read you a couple verses. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and again reading in verse number 5, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, make full proof of the ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Paul says that crown that awaits him, it's not just for him. It's for us. It's for you tonight. And he looked forward to the finishing his race in such a manner and in such a fashion that when he saw Christ, that he would literally, and he could literally say, it's worth it all. When I see Christ, it will be worth it all. And anything you go through tonight, anything we deal with tonight, it will be worth it all. Running the race of a Christian in the Christian life, it endures affliction. It endures affliction. It's making full use and opportunity uh, to serve God. While we have the energy and while we have the strength, taking full, ample opportunity of every opportunity to serve the Lord. It involves fighting the good fight. It involves keeping the faith. And these things are needed if we're to finish our course for the Lord. It is for those who finish well that receive the crown. Those who finish well. Listen, I don't think the Lord is, is necessarily uh, looking forward to and He's planning on giving out participation trophies. Just for participation. Just because we were in the crowd. Just so that we might feel good about ourselves. But God says that He will reward those who are diligent in their walk with God and finish well for the cause of the Lord. And God reminds those 
who start out right, that we need to finish right. There's a finish line for every Christian. A finish line for every single one of us. It'll come either by way of death or it'll come by way of the rapture. I'm looking forward to the rapture, aren't you? And you know it could happen this evening before we get out of this service. I would just as soon go up in the rapture in that blink of an eye than to drive nine hours back to Tennessee these next couple days. It could happen tonight. You know, but even at death, there's no sting. There's no sting in death for the Christian. And we pray oftentimes, I said to our church recently, I said, we're praying on Wednesday nights for all the, the health needs. And praise the Lord, yes, we are to do that. We are to cast every care upon the Lord. But, but we are, I think, sometimes trying to pray people out of heaven and excited that folks are going to heaven. And I don't say that in a, in, a, in a negative way. And I'm not saying that in a chiding way. But I simply say that we have a hope as believers In either way, whether we go by death or whether we go by the rapture, make sure and let us not let off. Be careful that we don't back off. Be careful that we don't turn aside until we get there, until we get to the finish line. But why is it that so many seem to don't make it to the finish line? And they just seem to be there for a period of time and gone. I think there may be several reasons that we could consider for that. First of all, I believe maybe the fear of man. The fear of man. Go with me to the book of Numbers, chapter number 13. Numbers, chapter number 13. Here's the backstory of Caleb when he's crying out, Lord, I want that mountain. Here's the backstory that led all to it. In Numbers, chapter 13, begin reading in verse number 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak are there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched to the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it were men of great stature. And there, were, and there we saw giants and the sons of Anak, which came of the giants. And we were in their sight, their, excuse me, our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. The fear of man. The fear of man will keep us from going on with God and keep us from serving the Lord. Proverbs 29 and 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare, and certainly it does. The fear of what someone may think about us. The fear of how someone may perceive us. And I'll be very transparent this evening, and I, I would say that maybe, maybe you feel the, the same way too. Uh, you, you go through a, 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 a maybe a, a checkout line, or you're in a particular area, and it just has it ever happened to you, you feel like that small, still voice says, uh, give a witness, give a gospel track to tell them about Jesus. If nothing else, simply invite them to Sunday morning service, and you, the thought just immediately wells up within you, well, what will they think? 
How would they feel about that? How would they think about this? And I would love to stand here and tell you that every single time I overcame that and, and gave that track and gave that gospel witness, but I cannot. But you know what? When I walk away, there's a prick within my heart that says, you should have. You should have. You should have listened to God. You should not let the fear of man stop you and shut your mouth. Naturally, in our own flesh, we have a desire. We have a desire to be men pleasers rather than God pleasers. Galatians 1 and 10. For I do now do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of God. Stop short because the fear of man. Number two, maybe we stop short sometimes because of fleshly appetites. We go back to Numbers chapter number 14. We look at verse number 4. And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to, to what now we think is the good life. Let's go back to Egypt, they say. I can't imagine going back to eating leeks, can you? <laughs> what is a leek anyhow? It's, I think it's some kind of onion or something along those lines. Let's go back to the way it once was. Fleshly appetites. 2 Timothy 4 and 10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. 1 John 2 and 16, for of all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So people, I believe, maybe stop short and do not finish well because of the fear of man, because of fleshly appetites. But thirdly, maybe because of the fighting with Satan. The Christian life is a spiritual warfare. It's literally a spiritual warfare. And you can be guaranteed when you set out to do anything for God, the devil is going to set out to stop you. He's going to set out to, to wreak havoc and keep you from doing anything for the Lord. There's a fighting with Satan. Ephesians chapter number 6. We mentioned it this weekend at the couple's retreat. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Rulers of the darkness of this world. We are, we are at battle with Satan, and Satan is at battle with us. But we are on the winning side. We come to the last chapter. We come to the last book of the Bible. Christ, well, we don't have to go to the last one. We can start in the beginning. We go all the way to Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. God will, the Son of Jesus Christ will bring a crushing blow. At the very beginning of humanity, we see that Christ wins the battle. But yet in this battle oftentimes, we try to fight Satan in our own flesh. We try to overcome him with the wiles of the devil, with our thinking and with our minds. The devil will do all he can to defeat you and to cause you to become a defeated Christian. He, he can't take your salvation from you. You get saved, you're eternally saved. Born again in Christ, secured in the blood of Jesus. Satan can't take that from you, but if he'll keep you, if he can keep you from Shining that light to anybody else, he's going to do it. If he can keep you from being that testimony, he's going to do it. Satan is out to defeat you and sideline you in the work of the Lord. 
to get you to doing nothing for the Lord. And if He can distract you, even if He doesn't get you to fall into sin, you know what He'll do? He'll get you very busy. Get you very busy. Busyness in the cares of life. He'll do those things. Another reason maybe people do not finish well, the fear of man, fleshly appetites, fighting with Satan. Fourthly, false professions of faith. False professions of faith. An interesting passage of Scripture in 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2, verses 18 and 19. Little children, it is the last time as you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, thereby, uh, thereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not of us. I think sometimes people do not finish their walk with God, do not finish well simply because there's false professions of faith. No true faith in the Lord. Trusting in some religion, trusting in some form of baptism, trusting in some experience in life. Back home where we grew up in the little town of Chilhowee, Virginia, and I call it this, I mentioned it to Miss Carpenter this afternoon, there's what I call good old boy religion. This good old boy religion. We're just good old boys. We go to church a little here and there. We make an attempt to live for God on Sunday and we live for the devil the rest of the week. But we're good old boys. In our neck of the woods, and I imagine it's the same way around here, you seemingly have to get people lost before you can ever get them saved. Because everybody's saved. Every door you knock on in Chattanooga, Tennessee, everybody's saved. But it makes me wonder because everybody that's saved is not in church on Sunday. <laughs> Not in church on Wednesday. Not in church on Sunday morning or Sunday night. They have no d desire to, to live for God. It makes you wonder. I just, I'm just one of those old-fashioned kind of guys that believe if the Spirit of God truly dwells within you, the Spirit of God cannot be denied. Certainly a man can walk off into sin and, and certainly he can backslide on God. But listen, God won't let him go. God spanks his children. And I wonder about so many people and I come by the lake on our way to church on Sunday morning and I see more, see more boats on the lake than I see people in the pews. Just makes me wonder. False professions of faith. Certainly I can't see it in the heart. But there we have some evidences from the Word of God that helps us see what true salvation looks like. And I say all this tonight that that we might, that all of us might be diligent and finish well. That we might receive the promises of God, a full inheritance from the Lord. And go with me back again to Joshua chapter number 14. Joshua chapter number 14. We read the verses. And Caleb was a man who not only started well, but we see from this story that in his latter years of his life, he finished well also. And Caleb had claimed a promise from the Lord, and he never lost sight of that promise. God had promised Caleb an inheritance, and Caleb never forgot the promises of God. We look at verses 24 through 30. 
of Numbers, excuse me, let me skip that for the sake of time, but the entire generation, if we look at that passage, and I'll skip it for the sake of time, but an entire generation, and it talks about that entire generation whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. An entire generation lost out on the blessings of God because they would not trust God, they would not believe God. In Hebron, on the other hand, was a place that, of Caleb's inheritance that God had promised him. As we look at Caleb's life, I think there's some things that we can learn about finishing well in our walk with Christ. And I think some things that may help us this evening. I want to see three simple truths, I believe, in the life of Caleb that he left for us to see. And we see what he did and helped him. First of all, he claimed God's promises for his life. We've already kindly stated it in, a, in many ways, but Caleb claimed the promises of God for his life. Are you doing that? Are you claiming some promises for God? Are you claiming some promises for your children? Are you claiming some promises for your church? Are you claiming some promises for some lost people? You pray and ask God to save. Are you claiming some promises in your marriage and in your family? Claim some promises from the Lord. And Caleb was that kind of man. He claimed some promises for his life. We love to sing, standing on the promises, I cannot fail, trusting in my Savior as my all in all. You know, sometimes we Christians, we don't tell lies, but maybe sometimes we kind of sing them. Standing on the promises. But really, do we? Have we taken hold of what God has given and what God has promised in His Word? The Bible is full of God's promises for you. Oh, there's so many that we could reckon tonight and think about. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Hebrews 4, 4 and 16. We are told and invited to come boldly before the throne of grace where we may obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. Caleb claimed God's promises and he would not let go. He claimed God's promises for his life. Will you do that tonight? Will you get a hold of a promise of God and will you claim it? You know, I think it's okay and I believe God honors it. I believe God desires it. You claim a promise of God and you pray that promise to the Lord. You pray that promise to the Lord. Lord, I'm hanging on to this. And Lord, because you said so, I'm going to camp out here until I see it. And I'm going to believe you for provision in that. He claimed God's promises for his life. Number two, he stood for God when all the others walked away. He stood for God when all the others walked away. If we look back at Numbers chapter 14, I'll ask you to turn back to there. Numbers 14 verses 3 through 10. And therefore hath the Lord brought us into the land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. When Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephua, 
which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake to all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. And look what verse number 10 says. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. Caleb and Joshua stood up when nobody else would. They stood up against the majority. And Caleb stood and he he stood to walk with God. He took a stand with God when all others walked away. And listen, your walk with God, it may cost you, and I dare say it will cost you something. It'll cost you something. You take a stand for God, and there's going to be people that won't like that. It may cost you popularity. That's okay. It may cost you some friends. I'll seek to win them, but still, that's okay. God will replace them. It may cost you some family. Mm, that's hard. I said to a dear brother tonight, we were talking in the aisle, asking how long he'd been here at Heritage, and he began to tell me. And We just started talking about the fact that so often... Church family sometimes is really your family. Always your family. I mean, I'm saying really sometimes even your closer family than your blood kin family. You know what I'm talking about? Because you got people that's praying for you. Got people that care about you. Got people that love you. A lot of people that burdened for you and you get into a hard time and things come your way. You got people that are reaching out and ministering to you. Oh, there's nothing like a church family. Praise God for it. Can't imagine not having one. May cost you your job. May cost you your job. May cost you worldly riches. Caleb was more determined to follow God than he had the fear of man or the fear of losing things. Caleb claimed God's promises and His provisions for his life. And he stood for God when all others walked away. Number three, Caleb was wholly surrendered to the Lord. It's already really, it's all bent up or, or added up in these first two points, but it's all there. But, but to point it out, Caleb was wholly surrendered to the Lord. Numbers chapter 23 Excuse me, Numbers 14, uh, verse number 23. Numbers 14, 23 and 24. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, hath followed me fully. He had another spirit in him that followed the Lord fully. Caleb was that kind of guy that surrendered to the Lord. He hath followed me fully. You know, I think it's a good prayer for us to pray, God, give us that kind of spirit. Give me a kind of spirit that's fully surrendered to you. You know, finishing well is going to require a full surrender in our lives. Are you fully surrendered to the Lord tonight? 
Young person, is God speaking to your heart about the mission field? I dare say it's not even some young people tonight. Some families, some moms and dads. Is God speaking to your heart about serving the Lord? About getting busy, taking a, a Sunday school class, or taking being a part of a bus ministry? In so many areas of opportunity of ministry and the work of the Lord. Is God speaking to you? Can I encourage you tonight to fully surrender to Him? Half-hearted surrender won't last. Partial surrender won't last. Conditional surrender won't last. You can't serve two masters and finish well. Fully surrendered is what it will require. Number four. Caleb made a choice to depend upon God daily. He made a choice to depend upon God daily. Joshua, we go back to Joshua chapter 14, verses 9 and 10. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where on thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and the children, children, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. As he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake his word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Caleb said, the Lord kept me alive all of these years. Caleb had a daily dependence upon God every day. Caleb had a confidence in God. Caleb had a concentration uh, concentration. Uh, consecration rather, I'm sorry, to God. And Caleb uh, was, had courage in the fight. And Caleb had objectives in his walk with God. God, give me that mountain. There's a dear lady in our church back in Virginia. She's in, excuse me, in uh, Tennessee. She's in heaven now. The Kavanaugh's would know him. You know Martha Kuhnberger? You remember Miss Martha? Miss Martha Kuhnberger was the first missionary that BIMI ever had. It was back when BIMI didn't exist. It was the African Congo Mission. Miss Martha Kuhnberger, back when, as a single lady, never married, back when it just didn't seem right for a single lady to go to Africa. I asked Miss Martha one time, I said, Miss Martha, tell me about your deputation. She did her deputation on a Greyhound bus. I said, Martha, how long did it take you to get to the mission field? She says, I boarded a boat in New York City. It took me 21 days to get in the heart of the Congo. Martha lived in the heart of the Congo of Africa. We have a picture hanging on her wall at the church. She's there. She's clinging to and holding a little African baby. It's a, such a sweet picture. Before Martha went to heaven, up in her 80s, I said, Martha, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do? She says, I wouldn't do a thing but serve God more. I said, are you sorry you did it? She says, no, no, I wish I had another life to do it all over again. I wish that I could do more for the cause of Christ. And that testimony speaks of so many that have given their lives. And some of you here tonight, many of you have given your lives in the same way. They've made a choice to depend upon God daily for everything. Everything in their lives. Finish well. 
Claim the promises of God. Stand for God when all others walk away. Surrender fully to the will of God. Make a daily choice to depend upon God. And by the way, Caleb knew that it was God that was fighting for him. God that was fighting for him. He says in verse number 12 of, of, of chapter 14, If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. God will fight for you. But let me finish with this one. Just one very quick thought. Not only did Caleb finish well, I believe, because of these values that were in his life, but Caleb finished well because there was a legacy that needed to be left. Needed to be left. There was a legacy that others needed to follow after. Joshua chapter 14. Again, verses 13 and 14. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Kenzanite, unto this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. We go back to verse number 9. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereupon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever. You know, an inheritance is something that's passed on. It's passed on to someone else. I need to finish well. You need to finish well. We all need to finish well because there's a baton of faith that needs to be passed. There's a baton of faith that needs to be passed. There's an inheritance of faith that needs to be passed on to others. And dear church, tonight, it's our responsibility. It's incumbent upon every believer here in this building tonight that we are those one, we are those Christians that passed that baton on to the next generation. Joshua left a legacy for others to follow after. Heritage. Heritage. What a great name. Are you leaving a heritage for your children, your grandchildren? I trust you are. Claim God's promises. Stand for God. Surrender fully. Make a choice to depend upon God every day and leave that inheritance of faith for others to follow. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for abundant grace that you provide to us. We want to thank you that you have given us so many precious and wonderful truths and promises from the Word of God. And Lord, I believe faith takes hold, does not let go. Faith sees, Lord, it's the hope It's the evidence of things not seen. And Lord, we are people that are saved by faith. And we are people that are to live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please you. But God, sometimes we can get off course a little bit. And there may be some here tonight that you've spoke to their hearts. Maybe there's some, first of all, that need to be saved. Someone may be watching by way of live stream, never been truly born again, not sure. They started it seemingly well, but maybe they've not finished. And you've pricked their heart tonight about the need for saving faith. And I pray that or before the night's over, they'd make a contact, make a phone call to someone who can help them. 
I pray for those tonight. Maybe there's some individual in this building that's not sure of their faith, not sure of their salvation. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to clear that up tonight. And I pray for those that have begun and what along the way they've got a little discouraged. Tonight, I pray that there would be some here tonight, and maybe there are, that would say, you know what? Oh, I've got something to live for. God, tonight, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to make a commitment with God's help and God's strength to finish well. Maybe some older folks here tonight. Maybe some have gone through many years of ministry and they've come to the stage of life that says, you know what, I'm just going to coast. God, I pray that you'd stir them. Stir them again to ministry. To love you, to serve you. For whatever you're doing tonight, we'll be careful to give you the honor and the praise and the glory. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Would you stand with me? Brother Carpenter will come. Conclude the invitation. God spoke to your heart tonight about finishing well for the cause of Christ. As the piano plays, the time of response is now. Would you come? Trust God, believe God, depend upon the Lord. You need to be saved tonight. Tonight's the night. Oh, would it be a wonderful time to trust Jesus Christ. Be a wonderful time tonight for some young family, some young, some young person, a teenager, middle-aged, college and career. God, I'm surrendering fully and completely to you. Here's my life. Lord, take and seal it. Use it for your glory. I'm volunteering tonight the work of Christ. As the piano plays, God's dealing in your heart. Are you obedient to Him this evening?